Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The Catholic Archbishop of San Francisco, Salvatore Cordleone, has directed priests under his jurisdiction not to give House Speaker Nancy Pelosi communion. Cordleone says it's because of Pelosi's support for abortion rights. Here he is speaking with America Magazine, the Jesuit Review. With her advocacy for uh, codifying the Roe decision in federal law, it's becoming more and more extreme more and more aggressive and i've i've been trying to speak with her about this so i've been debating this within my own conscience for many years actually Mm. so this is not something that's just come up recently the archbishop is considered a conservative catholic leader and has also been an outspoken opponent of same-sex marriage pelosi's office has not responded to the archbishop's directive last year the vatican warned u.s bishops not to use communion as quote a political weapon Let's turn to energy. State officials have confirmed that two idle oil wells in Bakersfield were leaking methane gas near a residential community, but say they were sealed late last week. Environmental groups have called out regulators for not acting with more urgency once the leaks were first reported. But the state says it wasn't an emergency. KQED's Juan Carlos Lara has more. California is home to hundreds of thousands of oil wells, many idle or abandoned, and a 2020 study conducted by Stanford researchers found that two-thirds of those could be leaking methane. Methane is generally not deadly, but it can make you sick, and it's a greenhouse gas, so it's bad for the environment. Holland Kretzman is an attorney for the Center for Biological Diversity. He says these two leaks are a danger to the nearby neighborhood and also represent the larger problem of leaking wells in the state. So it's a huge widespread problem, and the state hasn't done enough to make sure that operators live up to their responsibility to stop these leaks. Cesar Aguirre is a community organizer with the Central California Environmental Justice Network. He hopes California establishes rules requiring a minimum distance between oil wells and residential areas to protect communities from methane pollution, a measure state officials are currently considering. If we look at CalGEM and the inspectors for the oil and gas division, there's only a few hundred. Just in Kern County, the most oil-producing county in California, we have thousands of wells that are impossible for each of those inspectors to get to in a timely and efficient manner. California Geologic Energy Management Division, known as CalGEM, is the state agency in charge of regulating these leaks. A CalGEM representative said they've previously ordered the operator of these wells, Sunray Petroleum, to plug them, but Sunray appealed the order. Now, CalGEM is working with Sunray to get these wells repaired. But Kretzman says that's not good enough, and it's CalGEM's duty to step in and fix the problem itself if operators are shirking their responsibilities. For the California Report, I'm Juan Carlos Lara.
The Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, or LASA, has unveiled plans to reduce unsheltered homeless in L.A. County over the next three years. Reporter Ethan Ward of KPCC has more. The plan includes increasing the speed of getting people from temporary shelter into permanent supportive housing and improving the management of grants and contracts with service providers. Veronica Lewis is the director of the Homeless Outreach Program Integrated Care System, or HOPICS. She says she thinks LASA's plan is a good one, but has one big concern. In addition to creating a way to get people from long-term stays in these temporary shelters, there's also people who are never going to come into those type of temporary situations and we need to make sure that we're focusing on moving them directly from the street into permanent housing or private spaces as well. A recent survey of unhoused people from the Rand Corporation found that less than a third of people on the streets said they would move into shared spaces. Lasso's new plans come almost a month after its executive director resigned unexpectedly. No replacement has been appointed yet. For The California Report, I'm Ethan Ward in Los Angeles. Let's turn to Los Angeles's mayoral race. Vote-by-mail ballots have already been sent out, and later this week, Angelinos can begin casting their ballots at vote centers with the last day to vote on Tuesday, June 7th. There are two clear leading candidates, according to the polls. One is Democratic Congresswoman and former Speaker of the California State Assembly, Karen Bass. If elected, Bass would be the first African-American woman to lead the city. Her chief opponent is Rick Caruso, a billionaire property developer and Republican-turned-Democrat. Democrat. Once considered a long shot in the race, Caruso has spent a record-busting $23 million on his campaign, most of it his own money. Both Bass and Caruso promised to tackle LA's biggest challenges like homelessness, housing, and public safety. If a candidate doesn't get more than 50% of the vote in the primary, the top two vote-getters will battle it out in November's general election. Here to talk about LA's mayoral race is Fernando Guerra, who directs Loyola Marymount University's Center for the Study of Los Angeles. Professor Guetta, what strikes you about the race right now? Uh, That it is unfolding completely different than I or most observers would have anticipated a year ago. The dynamics have changed so much that it has created an opening for a candidate like Rick Caruso. How important has Rick Caruso's spending been to where he is now in this race? Uh, It's been very important. It's been a necessary but not sufficient factor in positioning him as one of the top two candidates. It's equivalent to what uh, Meg Whitman did, you know, when she ran for governor against Jerry Brown. You know, I think conventional wisdom a few months ago would have been Karen Bass, the other leading candidate. Uh, This was hers to lose, basically. You know, she she had pretty much had this race wrapped up. That certainly is not the case anymore. How is she holding up? I think that this election is Karen Bass's to lose. Um, if you take a look at the history of L.A. voters, she should be getting 80 percent of the vote. OK, I think that 80 percent of the voters in Los Angeles want to vote for her. And so then you ask, well, why aren't they? And from my perspective, she has to do two things. Uh, One, she has to articulate a clear uh, message responding to homelessness. And second, she has to, which I think she has a much better chance at doing, is articulate a strong, significant public safety message. She does those two things. She will win in November easily, in my mind. 
Hmm. And beyond the candidates themselves, Professor Guetta, I understand you think this could be kind of an extraordinary year in L.A. politics and in this mayoral race because of changing election mechanics. Could you talk about that? Yeah, I I think what's uh, also significant is that this is the first mayoral race that is during an even year and nested with the gubernatorial election in the history of L.A. This is the first mayoral race with universal vote by mail. This is the first mayoral race with voting centers. This is the first mayoral race with early voting. This is the first mayoral race with same day registration. And so we will have more people vote in this mayoral election in absolute numbers than ever in the history of LA, for sure. I can say that without a doubt. All right, that is Professor Fernando Guerra, the director of the Center for the Study of Los Angeles at Loyola Marymount University here in L.A. Professor, always great talking to you about L.A. politics, and thanks for joining us on the California Report. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. The city of San Diego is looking to challenge a state law meant to prohibit cities from giving preferential treatment to women and people of color when it comes to awarding contracts. Two members of the San Diego City Council, Raul Campillo and Monica Montgomery Stepp, say they plan to challenge Proposition 209, the state's affirmative action initiative. The council members cited a disparity study released last year that shows women and people of color don't get their fair share when it comes to city contracts awarded in San Diego. The study found that businesses owned by white women and minorities received only 19% of the more than $2 billion in city contracts awarded during a five-year period, compared with the 31% the study says they should have landed. The city attorney's office has cautioned against challenging Prop 209, saying the study failed to find evidence that intentional discrimination played a role in the disparities. The city council's economic development committee recently approved more than a dozen new contracting policies that are neutral when it comes to gender and race. But it says it still aims to help women and contractors of color. Five months ago, California unveiled a program to help low-income Californians eliminate asthma triggers in their homes. But five months later, families are still struggling to get these services. In the Central Valley, KVPR's Mari Bolaños has more. 
It's a warm Monday evening in Madeira. Maria Rubio's youngest kids are playing a video game in their living room. The windows are closed and the blinds are drawn to keep the heat out and the house cool. But Rubio worries about what they can't keep out. Rubio points to a corner in her bedroom where black clusters of mold are forming. Rubio and her five kids have suffered with asthma for years. She says the doctors told her there were a number of things that could trigger asthma, like dust mites, mold, and cockroaches. We walk through the hallway and into the kitchen, where she kneels down to show me the wood under the sink. It's expanding due to humidity, which is another asthma trigger. She says she asked her landlord to change it, but they just put in another wood panel and painted over it. The Rubio family is among roughly 2 million low-income Californians who have health insurance coverage from Medi-Cal and have been diagnosed with asthma. Some will benefit from a new state program that aims to reduce asthma by offering remediation services, like removing mold, installing air purifiers, and even replacing carpeting, blinds, and mattresses. The asthma efforts are part of an $8 billion initiative to transform Medi-Cal and target the state's sickest and most expensive patients. But getting the services has proven to be more difficult than expected. Kevin Hamilton is the director of the Central California Asthma Collaborative, the organization leading these efforts in the San Joaquin Valley. The thing that, that bothers me the most is it's more cumbersome for the patient. Take the Rubio family. To get help, they would first need to get a referral from a medical provider. From there, their health plan would have to approve the referral. Once it's been approved, the partnering community-based organization would visit their home to determine what services are needed. Then, the organization sends the assessment back to the health plan for one final approval before it can move forward with the services. I asked Hamilton how many people in the Valley have been referred to him since the start of the program on January 1st. One. Wow, okay. That's what we're saying, just one. One referral from the five health plans his organization contracts to deliver these services. That's out of the thousands of eligible Medi-Cal patients across five Central Valley counties, according to J.C. Cooper, the California Medicaid director. She acknowledges the program's slow start, but says it's expected. But I think identifying individuals, training providers to um, make referrals for new services, education and outreach to providers and beneficiaries, um, all of those things take a little bit of time to get nuanced and implemented. Back in Madeira, Maria Rubio is stirring up some chorizo and eggs for dinner. She says a community health worker told her about the services and she thinks they could be really helpful. But in order to qualify, the family would generally need to get a referral. But Rubio is hesitant to go to the doctor because of bad experiences in the past. It's one more obstacle the state faces in helping families that need these services the most. For the California Report, I'm Adi Bolaños. And that is the California Report for Monday, May 23rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day and talk tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. 
Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.